It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. We look at topics locally, a lot of Bengals this week, our daily picks against the spread in which Rick is killing it, and I'm spinning my wheels. We'll talk a little college basketball. It's been some media days for a lot of teams in, in leagues of, of very interest, and we'll look at a handful of national topics as well. As always, it's presented by Joseph Chevrolet. Skinny the Bengals moved to 0-6 on Sunday with a 23-17 loss to the Ravens that really wasn't as close as the score indicates. It's been clear for a while now that the roster needs to be vastly improved before anything will get better. And with the trade deadline under two weeks away, we're going to take a look at five higher-profile Bengals and answer what it would take to give up said player in a trade. So what would it take to give up? We'll start with A.J. Green. I, I think I set the bar to first-rounder. Um, maybe a two and a four, maybe. If you want to give me a one and a five. I mean, Jalen Ramsey just got two twos, or two ones and a four. Um, yeah. I mean, but he's 24. He's younger. That's yes, correct. He's also a bigger headache. I mean, we've seen For that, sure. that he can completely disrupt the locker room very quickly. Um, yeah, you're getting an older A.J. Green. You're getting an A.J. Green who's heading into free agency, so then you have to make up your mind, are you doing him as a rent a player, or are you going to think about trying to get him long-term? But I think for the Bengals, I I, I set the bar at least at a second-round guy. I, I There's a part of me that even says I'd take almost anything, but I, I do believe there are enough teams that would give you a first- or a second-round pick for A.J. Green, a team that maybe just wants him as a rent a player. Um, you know, the 49ers all of a sudden got to feel like they're knocking right on the door, right? And they're... They're a star wide receiver away from almost having a complete package on offense. Um, New England's always looking to upgrade. They, they signed Antonio Brown for a reason, right? They they thought he was a huge upgrade in addition to, to their already stacked team. Um, and, and I could see them saying, we're just going to we'll run him. That's fine. We won another Super Bowl with, with this guy and move <laughs> continue moving forward. Sure. You know, New Orleans obviously is on the cusp. And, and while they have Michael Thomas, how much could A.J. Green help Drew Brees in what could be one of his final years in the NFL? Um and, and they're looking like arguably the best team in the NFC, them or, or San Francisco. So would you want to add a piece? So I think there's enough teams out there that you can kind of pit against one another that could probably get you that. But I, I've been in the yoke that I, I, I just don't see what the point is in keeping him and keeping him long-term here and throwing a lot of money at him long-term when you're going to be in a rebuilding mode. I, I, I just, I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I wish somebody could, could help me with that because I don't get it. Yeah, and I don't know that, again, I go back to, I don't think that anyone should be thinking long-term when you think about a rebuild in the NFL. That being said, you're definitely but looking at, at least, at least two, two years yeah, at least two in or the three NFL years, right. or with the Bengals situation. Right. So with he's that being said, at that point. right, exactly. I mean, he's at the end, you're, you're going to be paying for past production by the time you're and the other back part, to winning. He's going to command a chunk of change. And he should. Right? And he should, absolutely should. Why would you throw that money at him in a rebuild when you can use it in so many other ways to speed up the rebuild? Right. So I and listen, you can if you really needed, there are more wide receivers in the drafts nowadays that that you can probably get as an impact wide receiver as opposed to spending money in free agency on an offensive lineman. Because let's face it, coming out of the college anymore, drafting an offensive lineman is such a crapshoot, you just don't know. So you better go find one that's established themselves in this league. At least you know you've seen the body of work. But you got to throw money at that guy. Right. I only say that to so people don't yeah, get it know, twisted right. that we're talking about the Bengals needing four or five years no, no. or something. We understand that turnarounds in the NFL should be quick. But it's not but coming this offseason, in this not singular offseason. Right, it's not happening in one year. And like you said, it's just going to be too far down the line and too much money for AJ and the Bengals. So I think it has to... But that being said, 
everyone has said the right things. AJ has said he wants to be back in Cincinnati and no one's going to be more loyal to him and, and appreciate him the way the team that drafted him will. And the Bengals have said, we're not trading. No, the Bengals, so, didn't, the Bengals didn't say that. Well, Zach Taylor Correct. said. That, that's a big matter of semantics him. to me. Of course. But uh, that being said, he, do, he doesn't mean that. He doesn't think that. But they've all said the right thing. So if you do not get at least a second round pick, which is for me where it starts, it has to be a second round pick. That's probably right. If you're not at least getting a second round pick for AJ Green, then I think you do try to re-sign him at the end of this year and, and bring him back for whatever you can do that makes sense for you financially and you just see what you do otherwise maybe he does walk but second round pick you would think you'd be able to get that for one of the top receivers in the NFL mm-hmm. who was a consummate pro and absolutely I, no I, issue I, I no think, baggage I, I, whatsoever I honestly think you get a first rounder for him I really believe that I think there are, maybe. there are enough teams that I mentioned that look if I'm going all in on this year I'll give up my first round pick next year I'm good with that I mean, the Bengals need so much depth, though. I'd yes. be fine with a second rounder and a backup linebacker or backup yeah, whatever, lineman or, or whatever. second and a five. Or if it's multi- that's the other part. If it's a singular first round pick, I'm absolutely. If it's a multiple, a second round this year and a second round next year or whatever, second round next year's draft and the year after. Okay, if you want to give me multiples as opposed to a singular first rounder, I, I take that too. I'll, I'll give you that part of it. What would it take for you to give up Andy Dalton? Thing is, I think any team that would trade for Andy right now, and this is gonna, this is not going to sound right, is is a desperate team. It's a team that's lost its starting quarterback and feels like it's playoff ready now. Um, so the market for him is is interesting. I think it would take in the next two weeks someone who's a playoff caliber team to have a catastrophic injury at quarterback. You know, maybe the Bears look and go, yeah, Chase Daniel's not going to win us enough games, and man, we can't fall behind in this division because Minnesota's really good, and Green Bay's really good, and Detroit's good enough that you know we, we, you you lose a couple three games, and suddenly you're looking up and and you're kind of out of it. Um, so I don't, I, I'll be honest, because we're talking about a handful of guys here. He, he's one that I don't honestly know what I would take. I'm not here to tell you I'd take anything like some people would. But you have to start thinking in terms of what you're going to do with Andy Dalton, because he's got one more year on his contract, and you're not signing him beyond that. You're just not. So I, I think it would take an act of desperation or in the offseason, and this may be an Andy Dalton, not at this trade deadline, but it may be the Andy Dalton in the offseason, is to look around at maybe a team drafts, drafts a Tua, and they're not ready to have Tua be the guy right away, but they take Andy on the final year of his contract as the bridge guy. And maybe he's that guy here. Maybe he sticks around here and you look at him as the bridge guy. You draft, you know, you, right now you'd be sitting with the second draft pick and maybe you get a quarterback and, and Andy kind of bridges that guy to Hold that on. point. Did you just suggest that someone's going to draft Tua and then trade him for Andy Dalton? No, no. A- Andy would be it would be the bridge guy if you're not going to start Tua from day one. Oh, to go along with Tua. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 I was no, going to no, say, no, holy no, cow. No, no. It would be... And most teams probably would draft to it and just plug him in and just say, let's roll the dice on this. Right. That's happening more and more in this league. I mean, it used to be you'd never play a rookie quarterback unless you were desperate. But we've seen Josh Allen the last few years. We've seen Sam Darnold. We've seen two, or uh, Kyler Murray. Um, so you're starting to see some of that take place. And, and maybe that's what happens here. Maybe you just ride Andy out after 2020. You just say, listen, thanks for your career. You ride off into the sunset. We're not worried about getting something else for you. Well, you will have you will have run your course. And maybe that's where it comes. I think for this year, though, it would have to be a team, like I said, that in the next week or so suffers a catastrophic injury at quarterback and says, man. I mean, look, look the Colts are still probably in that division, arguably them in, the, them in Houston. But the Colts are at least in the, in the fight. Jacoby Brissett gets hurt in the next week or two. The drop-off is, is severe. Maybe they do want to do something. So maybe there's a handful of teams out there. Right. And I, I agree with you. I think with Andy, one, it doesn't really matter what you get for him because there's really no future for Andy Dalton with the Bengals, I wouldn't imagine. Now, you have to think I Zach Taylor imagine, wants yeah. to bring in his own guy. 
And and again, you're not why, why overpay you. You've reached at a certain point if you're not moving forward um, with the quarterback. And it's not this is not an Andy. I know everybody thinks everything's an Andy. Everything in life is an Andy issue. The fact you woke up on the wrong side of the bed is Andy Dalton's fault. Um, but at some point, you do run the course, and I think and after, it's ran its course. You, it's ran its course. One hundred percent. So yeah, I don't think it matters what you actually get for him. I think you'd be willing to take almost any. I mean, if someone's got a third round pick. Take it. Someone's got a couple fourth round picks. Right. Probably take it. I mean, plug in, much- fi- plug in Finley for the rest of this year. You're not going to win anyway. See what you got. See what he does under fire because he's going to be under severe fire. Uh, maybe he proves himself. And if he doesn't prove himself, you go, okay, we saw what we needed to see. Let's move on to the next guy in the draft and we'll go from there. Right. And at the same time, I don't think you're you're feeling like you need to get rid of Andy Dalton. Either. No, right. If, you pl- th- if he plays yeah, out the rest of his contract right. with the Bengals, that works as yeah, well. Agreed. Um, all right. Geno Atkins. What would it take for you to get rid of Geno? I, this is going to sound just awful. Almost anything. I think at this stage, you got to get rid of his contract. Got to get rid point. of the con- if you're if we're if we're in full rebuild mode, I'm shedding as much money as I can off my books. I'm accumulating whatever draft picks. And I still think you can get something for Gino. I think some Gino's team, what now 32, 31? 30, uh, 31, I believe, and he goes through twenty twenty two. There is an out in his deal next year where it doesn't hurt you as bad cap wise, but I think I think he still has some value on a, on a good team. Um, his productivity has slipped a lot this year. Now it's slipped a lot, maybe because. I don't know. It just slipped a lot. I mean, the fact that he played 67 snaps in this last game and didn't record a single solitary tackle is almost mind-boggling against a team that ran the ball as much as, as they ran the ball. Just absolutely nothing. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. And I love the guy. I mean, I I would almost... And he played most of the game. I would almost stump for him as a Hall of Famer at this point. I really and truly would. I think he's done enough in his career that you could almost consider him a Hall of Famer. And maybe for him, too, it's a new lease. Get it. Get out of this. Get out from underneath this nonsense. Go play with somebody that's good alongside you on either side of it. You're you're playing for something and go. Either he's done or he needs to be re-energized somewhere else. Yes. Because yeah. he looks like he's absolutely done yeah. right now. He has no gas in the tank, no juice. Uh, he's not moving. Yeah, the, the, the Gino I've seen, and he's, he's done it a couple times this year. He did it in the Frisco game. Where, you know, he took a guard and literally deposited him back in the lap of the quarterback who was handing the ball off. You used to see that every game, multiple times in games. And look, at some days you reach the age of... There's nothing left. I don't think he's completely there. I just think I do think there needs to be a little re-energized. But I mean, teams aren't even worried about double. I mean, he's got some double like teams, but they're not, not worried yeah. about him the way they used to be. Correct. And, and if he was, you should see Andrew Billings doing more than he's doing. Although he's having a decent enough year. Josh Tupo had a nice game too. But no, I, I think at this stage for him, it's if we're if we're in rebuild mode. If that's what where we and I think they should be. Right. I, I, no, I, they are. I don't. They are. But I, I don't think they believe they are. That's see. Therein lies the problem, dude. That's the pro- I don't think they believe they are. That's crazy. I mean, that's I really don't. I think they look at this as another rash of injuries, and we'll fix it in the draft again next year. Well, your drafts have sucked for the last four or five years. Who's in charge? Here's the thing I want to know, and, and this is jumping the gun get on you. Four first round picks. Here, here's what I'm going to ask you: Who's in charge? Who's no, making decisions? No one knows. No one knows. Um, so therein lies, and I think that's for Bengals fans. You you can't cling to the hope right now that, hey, that guy he's come he's going to fix it for us because he's proven in the draft that he can get guys, and he's proven in free agency he can get guys. Who is that guy? Who who is that guy? There there is no guy. We have no idea. Exactly. So that's why I, I don't know if they are embracing the rebuild. I really don't. We'll, we'll find out here in the next two weeks. I was going to say, that's a scary thought, and that's another conversation we probably need to have a week or two. Yeah, during now. the bye week. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's worth it during the because that's when the after the trade deadline. In fact, our podcast, the week of the, the trade deadline, will be literally the day after the trade deadline. We will know some level of direction of what they've decided to do here. Well, there you go. So, I mean, Gino, I think we agree with, what about Carlos Dunlap? Because I feel like he's probably in the same position as Gino. You basically just have to dump him for anything. Yes, correct. And that, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think you're in the same boat with him. Um 
uh, he's not as productive as he was. I always hate to question guys with injuries. So he he had a knee injury crop up during the week last week, and then didn't didn't play. Was declared out for Sunday's game. Again, this is I, I hate to do this, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I mean, is he making business decisions now and just saying, "Listen, I want to know in six club, man. If my knee hurts like this, I ain't doing it. But if we're five and one, man, I'm out there. I'm game. Well, he absolutely I, should be. And I that get and decision. I get it. Yeah. I do. I get it. So, but I hate to question it. I guess is my point. Right. I, I get it. If you're the stage of your life, they, they look. They've given you the money, man. You can make a decision. If it hurts enough, where we're no one six team, I ain't doing this crap. Five and one, I'm out. I'm, I'm with you. And that, that's that's a mindset. Um, so yeah, I, and he's just, he's not as productive as he was. His, they, I, I was for re-upping Gino more than I was re-upping Carlos, but I also got the fact that they still thought they were going all in when they re-upped these guys last year and extended these guys. And it was a bad mistake. Plus, and, Carlos has won, what, 150 good guy of the year awards or whatever yes. since he's been with the Bengals. I mean, uh, yeah. the best locker room guy you can yes. have. Yes. No, I, I, Carlos is great. Right. I, I, yeah. But, again, you just get to the point of why keep paying for past production? For, for lack, yeah, for past production. That's exactly it's well said for past production. Um, I think sometimes in this business, in the, in the NFL, teams that do that really pay the price for that. They really do. You definitely can. It's not as bad as baseball. No, but, correct. But it can hurt you just correct. the same. Because baseball, you're locked into guarantees. At least in football, there are stages you can get out from under it where you've already prorated your cap money and you realize, hey, I either keep them and pay them 15 mil or get rid of them and, and it counts 2 mil against my cap. So there's there's different f- stages to do this. And I think for, for Gino and Carlos, it's it's anything you can get. Yeah, just I mean, to get them off the books. Let's face it. I don't think any of these, these contracts were bad decisions um, in a vacuum. But when you start looking at... Andy Dalton, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, all of those contracts were kind of in that same group that have led to this position where they're at. That, that, they, in, that, they in, didn't, poor, that in poor drafts. They didn't invest in other areas. They didn't draft well. And now these big money contracts have turned into guys that need a whole lot of help. Yes. And they don't have any they don't to have be any. found. Yep. Um, and we'll wrap it up here with Tyler Eifert. One more name. What I mean, I think it's anything you get because he's only on a one-year deal. He'd be, he'd be probably a rent-a-player guy too. Is right? there any value for Tyler Eifert? Six-round guy, maybe. Honestly, it's it's just if any. Do you think someone wants him? Oh, I do because if you put him in the right scenario, he still can do some things. He still is a red zone target. Um, I, I I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised New England hasn't made an offer for him. Um, they ended up sign, signing old has been Ben Watson um, yesterday. And, and I thought Tyler Eifert could be a guy that you offer a fifth or a sixth or something, a couple sixths in the next couple of years. I think you jump at it if you're the Bengals and it may, maybe it also shows there's absolutely, there is no market for Tyler. Yeah. I mean, I, I even wonder about like probably Geno Atkins. I feel like someone would definitely yeah, like him. But, Carlos Dunlap. I don't know that there's I, much I don't of a market, a market for either. him. I don't either. I'm with you. So I think a lot of, you know, a lot of Bengals fans, you, you hear them talking or calling into these call-in shows and they get mad when you start suggesting that maybe you can get a sixth or a seventh round right. pick or not much at all for these guys, and they're wondering why. I, I don't know that there's a market for any of them. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, Andy and AJ maybe. AJ, AJ for sure. AJ for sure. Again, especially in a rent a player circumstance. Right. Andy and Gino maybe, and then Carlos and Tyler. I really don't know. I mean, I guess Tyler, you you think there is a little bit, but I, I do think a little bit um, because again, you're getting him as a rent a player, so you're not you're not taking on. The, I think you also got to look at the contract stuff, right? With Carlos and Gino, you still got some contract money tied to it. Tyler Eifert, you got this year. That's the rest of this year. That's it. Right. So then you make the decision. Look, I need a tight end. I got, you know, my two tight ends are hurt, or my three three of my tight ends are hurt, and, and you know that seems to be a position in this league where guys constantly are getting hurt. Um, so I think there is, but it's a very small. It's, you're not getting much back for him. 
All right, let's keep it that moving. That was a good question. I like that question. I like that one, too. Second-year Bengals receiver Auden Tate had a breakout game on Sunday, catching five passes, one more than he had all of last season, for a team leading 91 yards against the Ravens. He also hauled in three passes for 26 yards in his first receiving touchdown in Week 5 against the Cardinals. Tate has created some buzz the last two years with his play during the preseason, but this is the first time we've ever seen him break out in a real game. My question is, is this a sign of things to come for Auden Tate and the Bengals or an aberration as a result of a depleted receiving core? I think a little of the latter, but I mean, he's led them in, rece- in receptions in three of the last four games, believe it or not. He's had he's played pretty well. He's had a good stretch. I think he's had 18 catches in the last four games combined. Um, it's not huge, but that puts you on pace for a 72-catch season if you if you extrapolate it. Um, he... If you had A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Auden Tate, Auden Tate would still be the fourth guy in that group. But he gives you a different skill set that in certain circumstances you can put him on the field to do. And I'm not just saying always throw it up to him. But I got to tell you, the guy makes contested catches. He's a huge body. He's a huge body. He uses that body. He's got great hands. And it's sad the one drop he had this year was that red zone drop against Arizona when a perfectly thrown ball on the, on the goal line where he just let it go right through his hands. He, it, it, of all the people to let that happen, it stuns me. He's the guy that let it happen. Um, and he plays to his strengths. He's not fast. He's not straight line fast. He's not overly quick coming out of breaks. But he does do a good job of using that body. And you saw in the one when they were kind of in desperation mode, and he just threw the ball up. It was almost like, you've been making plays. I'm going to trust you to make another one. And up he went and made another one. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a wide receiver one or wide receiver two in this league. But I think he can be a wide receiver three slash four. And that, that offers some value. Yeah, I mean, he's still a young guy. He's right. only 23 years old. And um, I just think you, you look at the upside. Maybe he's only 22. I don't know, he's, he's really young. I know that. Yeah, he is. Um, and he he's just a guy that I think you've seen the flashes. Some of the catches he made in that game oh, were, were nice I, diving catches with guys, or, 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 all, guys over all over him. him. Yeah, I, I think he does have some upside here. He kind of reminds me of Kelly Washington, who just... Kelly, it, was, Kelly was faster, though. Kelly, Kelly was faster, Kelly but not burn. as big. Yeah. Um, but... He never quite got that chance. Always seemed like he was stuck behind a guy or two. Never really got that chance. It never panned out in the right. NFL. I'm wondering if Auden Tate's going to be a similar guy. He's probably a little more talented than Kelly, well, but I, thing, I feel like he might be in a similar position where he just may never get his chance. The thing I think for him is, and it will go back to whatever weapons are around him, I mean, if he's your third target on a, on a route tree and he's matched up against a weaker corner, for, for example, I think you can win some one-on-one battles with him. And I think the thing, the one thing that it, this has done is it's let Andy and him have a trust factor. Now Andy's starting to go, hey, you know what, if I throw the ball your way, you're, you're gonna, you might make a play for me. And I think some of that has to build, and I think it's building very quickly. And like, you know, that ball he just threw up down the sideline was literally, we got to get a chunk yards, and I'm going to have to just throw this thing up for grabs and hope this cat comes down with it. Because it was not a, there was no real route to it. He just ran down the field, right. jumped up in the air and caught it. So yeah, I I do think he he's, he is offering some value. I, I'm I'm impressed with Auden, and and uh, you know last year was kind of a, it was a lot of buzz in training camp and never really panned out. Um, I don't think Marvin thought a lot of his talent level. Um, and if you watched him, there are things that he just cannot. He is not very fast, and he has improved in getting out of his breaks. Because if you watched him last year to this year. Him getting out of a break to run a route, it felt like you could take a, a stopwatch and keep watching it for about five seconds and go, dude, are you ever coming out of your break? Right. He's much better at that. So, yeah, he's he's and he knows it. He knew some of the things he had to improve on, and he knows what his strengths are, and he's playing to it. Yeah, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see because when you're in a situation the Bengals are in where everything is so bad and there's not a lot to play for, one of the only things you can look to a little it's bit like guys these, like this. Yeah, a little yeah. diamond in the rough. Is yeah. there something to build on here? Yeah. And he's one of those guys that, okay, maybe there's something there. And it's interesting to see him get him his chance now with all the injuries. And it's like a lot of things in life and sports are like that. I mean, you you hope to get – sometimes you don't get the chance you think you deserve, right? And it, it sucks and it's not fair. But if you get the chance – 
you got to show something. I mean, we may still may never have known what Tom Brady was. We really may not have. It's true. And But when the chance came, the opportunity arose, guess what? Voila, here he is, the greatest of all time. All right, Skinny, we knew coming into the season that the offensive line was going to be a big problem for the Bengals, and it has <laughs> been an unmitigated disaster. But we didn't necessarily expect the Bengals' pass rush to be so poor. The team has only racked up seven sacks on the season, which is tied with the Jets for 29th in the NFL, out of only the Falcons and the Dolphins, both with five. Sam Hubbard with three sacks is the only player on the team who has more than one. What's the reason for the Bengals' inability to rush the passer? I think it's a couple of things. We just talked about it a minute ago. Geno Atkins isn't playing up to a high level. Carlos Dunlap is not playing up to a high level. Um, Carl Lawson has really not played up to now. He's missed a couple games with injury, and he did have a sack on, on Sunday and, and got some pretty decent pressure at times, so maybe that's a good sign of some things to come from him. But I think the other part, too, and this is going to sound like an excuse, is the fact you've played Kyler Murray. Even though he'd been sacked 20 times, he's still hard to get to the ground. Um, Lamar is hard to get to the ground. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. And then in the Pittsburgh game, Pittsburgh went to that little dink and dunk, get it out of his hands passing game. You were never going to get to that guy. You know, the, the couple times he dropped back, I don't think, you, I don't think Mason Rudolph was hitting that game. Um, but some of it is, some of it, like I said, is, is guys just aren't playing up to standard. And maybe for some of them, the standard just isn't going to be what we thought it was going to be. I, I thought this was a team strength for sure. I expected, you know, the way they were doing some things schematically that this team was going to cause some havoc. And in game one, they sure did. But since that point in time, it's been, it's been pretty absent. Well, and what do you have to really worry about with the Bengals? You've got Sam Hubbard, who's showing some potential as a young guy, but isn't dominant by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he's not Joey Bosa or something out here. Um, Dunlap is kind of old and has clearly lost a step. Up the middle, you're not getting much, as we just discussed. And I think the other part, too, is teams are running it so effectively that instead of dropping back on third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, guess what you're in half the time? Third and two. Third and three, balls out of the hand quickly. It's it, or it's a running play. You're not you're not getting. You're also not getting a lot of opportunities. They're they're running the ball more because they're ahead of the head of the Bengals most right. of the game too. Yeah. But the other thing, Skinny, is you have no pass rush threat from your linebackers. You have no blitzing threats coming they, they, to get. The they blitz a little bit, but none of those guys are going to get home. No, they but don't none of those guys. Home. Yeah, they they're zero threat. So you basically have. I mean, no one that scares I, an offensive I, line or a, or I, offensive backfield. I watched Jermaine Pratt blitz on Sunday and and. I don't know where he was supposed to go, but I don't think he was supposed to go right into the middle of the pile and get blocked. I oh, really? That was—I don't think that was the plan for the blitz. I That's really not don't. how Lou Anarumo nah, drew it pretty, up. Pretty sure, pretty sure it wasn't. So yeah, no, I think there's some of that too. You—you you have no threat from that. But I, I also think, I think Lou wants this, and the last staff was obviously they want to get home with four guys. They're, they're not. None of these guys are big blitz guys, and you can argue and that's, that's right or not. But but the four aren't getting home, and there's again there's there's more reasons than just them not playing well. Like I said, it's a lot of third and shorts. A lot of teams are playing from ahead and turning to the running game. Um, but some of it is again, Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. If you're going to pay them that money, they need to they need to generate something on a more consistent basis than what they're doing. Yeah, I and also, maybe they're just not capable of doing that anymore. I don't think a lot of defenses have two or three guys that are big-time playmakers and pass rushers up front. I think what a lot of them have is one guy who really scares you, or they have a really dynamic linebacker who will also add some some fear that helps make those other guys better because you're worried about double-teaming or you're do, well, adding a little protection th- one that, way. That was, that was Gino and Carlos. When, when they were at in their one prime point, together, you had to account for both of them. Yeah, and now you've lost that, and the young guys aren't quite there yet. Right. You know, Sam Hubbard's just a little guy. bit. He's just a guy. He's, and, a, he's, a, he's a 
Sam Hubbard is a solid NFL defensive end. Nothing more, nothing less. Right. And you can get by with that if you got stars at other spots there. And Carl Lawson, we thought had some potential, but he had the injury, and yeah, now I, he's I, really not I was, done much I was this at least, year at all. Yeah, the, this past Sunday at least gave me a little level of hope because it looked like Carl's starting to get get back a little bit to it. And I thought he actually played, I thought he played pretty well at times in that game. You mentioned Jermaine Pratt, so let's talk about him here for a second. Bengals coach Zach Taylor was true to his word and played Jermaine Pratt more as Pratt saw 31 snaps, which equates to about 38% of the Bengals' defensive plays on the day. He made a few plays and also a few mistakes, one of them a glaring one in pass coverage. <laughs> what did you make of Jermaine Pratt's performance overall? Yeah, and just to be fair, that was Lou Anarumo who said that he was going to give him more snaps. So Lou, Lou was the I'm, one. I'm That's sorry, okay. Yeah, yeah no, it just, it's just to be fair. Um, and he was, because Lou even said, he goes, I got to play him. I got to let him play through mistakes. I've got to do it. He said, I pulled him out at times. We're close game. I feel like I can't put him in there. So they said, so, yeah, right. They were true to their word and played him. Um but man, there were times he looked really lost. I mean, the one route that Mark Andrews ran, um, I was watching a uh, guy from ESPN sits next to me in the press box, and, and they have next gen stats where literally, after a play is done, we can actually look at how the play developed with you know the little icons. Right. And you you see Mark Andrews running straight at him, and all of a sudden you just see this just gin, ginormous level of separation. It was almost like what in the world? Where were you going? And the the thing was supposed to be a strength of his is pass coverage. Not really seeing it. Not yet. But I also think, look, the first extended period of snaps, they didn't get, give up 60 points. They gave up a boatload of yards and whatnot. But I think you got to, I think if you're looking to rebuild this football team, you got to let this guy play through this stuff. And I think you probably got to let him play through it more. He should be starting. He should be playing basically as many snaps because you're can getting take. zero, and I mean zero out of Preston Brown. He's not. Any, he can't run anymore. He's not any worse than the guys you have out there. Yeah, Nick Vigil still is Nick their Vigil's best guy, their best player, and that's not saying very much. No, I mean he's their best player because he's the only one who's there to make the tackle. Right. Right. I mean, a lot of times it's seven yards down the field, but at right. least he's there. I mean, you, I mean, you look at the tackles, it's safety, safety, cornerback, 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 and Vigil. Right. right. I mean, those are the leading tacklers on the defensive side of the ball. That's not good. Um, I, so I, you're not you're not getting any worse by putting Pratt out there. The one thing he definitely gives you an upgrade in is speed. Yes. He is faster than yes. certainly Preston Brown. And that's where I think if you let him play through some mistakes, and then we can see, all right, now he's starting to get it. He's starting to get a feel for it. And with a feel for it, with a better feel for it, with the athleticism, then hopefully he becomes the playmaker you're hoping he does. And he did have two tackles where he stuck his nose in yes. there. And I thought, hey, that was a pretty nice yes. play. Yes. You know, it stood out a little bit because, hey, the Bengals linebackers aren't making any players this year. So I, I did notice him a few times I think there's no doubt you have to play him as much as possible just to see if you've got something there right. can he be one of the guys that helps you build towards the future on that defense because I, the defense is awful I go back if you're drafted in the first three rounds of a draft you should be a starter within two years period end of story if the, if you're worth your salt so we're here we're here midway through a crappy year basically Let's get him some more snaps. Let him play through the mistakes. And maybe if it's five straight weeks where he keeps making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over, and you want to bench him because, look, we, we tried and it's not working, that's fine. But let's, let, let's see more of it, just to see. I would agree. All right, Skinny, let's get to our betting pick. Yes, indeed. I'm rolling right along. You got our records there? I do. Uh, I was 7-6-1 and one last week. The, the push for both of us was the, uh, was the total in the Charger game, which landed right on the number of 41. You were 10-3-1 last week. So for the season, you're up to 51-35-1. That's a pretty solid per, uh, percentage. Yeah, if I would quit betting NFL games, and this goes for not just our picks on the podcast, just but on in your real own. life. If I would quit betting I, NFL I, games, I'd be great. I would, it's funny. Um, I'm in a pick league um, 
where we pick 12 games against the spread in college, and then we pick all the NFL games, and we rank them in confidence order, 1 through 14. So going into Sunday, my buddy who runs the league, he had hit, the, the maximum number you can get in college is 78. He got 69 in college. Nice. I got 55 in college. And I, he said, we were running 1-2 going into Sunday. He wound up on Sunday getting 23 total points, and that's out of, add them up, 14, 13. The, the maximum points you can get in the NFL was 100, or no, I'm sorry, it was, yeah, it was 105. He got 23. Yeah. I got, what did I get? I got 37. I mean, it's impossible. It's impossible. And, and if you've been following uh, Vegas and just the betting lines and everything, underdogs are winning against the spread at like an historic rate, so, like 70% the, or something. The, the Monday night game to me looked like a gift from the gods, right? Green Bay laying that small of a number at home on Monday night against a team they've dominated at home. And they were all out just to win the game. Yeah. It's, I'm telling you, it is incredible. You're right. The NFL has been just a total, total crapshoot. It is impossible to yep. bet, and I wish I would stop doing it, but I probably eh, won't. You probably won't. As long, yeah. as, as long as you're still showing a profit for it and get a little enjoyment out of it, good for you. God, I'd be doing a whole lot better if I'd stop. Saturday yeah. at 2.30 p.m., we got Northern no, Illinois. I, no, hang on. I'm, I'm going to cut you off for a second. I'm going to ask you a question, though. What? If you stopped, and I mean this sincerely, if you stopped doing a little gambling on Sunday. You don't do a lot. For the record, you don't do a lot. No, you're I, like, you're like I, I used to do a lot in, in my past life, and I regret some of that, and I just whatever I do now is mostly just for fun. Um, if you didn't have wagers right now on, on NFL games, and because you don't play fantasy football, so right. I can't ask you the fantasy question, would you watch? Not enough. Like, la- the last few years, I did not watch nearly as much NFL football, especially when the Bengals are bad. When the Bengals start playing poorly, it gets harder to really get into it. Now, it's not like baseball, where when the Reds are out of it, I'm literally detached Cashed from the out, sport. Right? I mean, I still pay attention to the NFL and watch games, but I don't, I'm don't. i not I'm not watching Red Zone every Sunday and, and knowing the score of every Yeah, and game. it's funny. You know, I don't get many Sundays off, but we had the one before the Monday night game, and I literally watched Red Zone the whole time, mostly for fantasy fo- football, because I play fantasy football. But I really wonder... Guys, like that's why I'm asking you the question. If you don't have some level of interest in it and your team sucks, are you even watching? Um, it's getting harder, especially because I do feel like so much of it is just sitting there waiting for penalties. Yes. Nonstop. Yeah. That's all it is. I'm sure it's always been that way a little bit, but for whatever reason, the older I get, the more I just feel like this is a huge waste of time just yes. waiting for this yellow flag yep. to come yep. out. But, you know, I I for the college, it's a ton of fun because I'm winning and I, I really enjoy watching yeah, college I do football. Too, so do I. But in the NFL, it really has just become like I am only betting on the games to have a reason to watch them. It, it is. It's, in it's, a lot of ways. And I think I think that's it for a lot of people around the country. All right, let's get to our games. Okay, 2.30 on Saturday. We got Northern Illinois at Miami. Northern Illinois is the favorite by two and a half points. The total in that game is 48 in the hook. I'm going to call this the Chuck Martin make or break game. Because Miami's sitting now at two and four, one and one in the MAC. They're playing a two and four team at home. I mean, they were within five points of Western Michigan late and then ended up giving up 17 points and getting blown out 38 16 when all was said and done. And I didn't expect them to go to Western Michigan and win. I think I picked them to lose, but I actually picked them to cover last week. I think I had 27 24. No, actually, I picked Miami outright. I did pick them. So I did pick them to win 27 24. So here's the thing. So you're at home against a two and four team as an underdog. I'm going to pick Miami to win because if they don't win, I got to I got to say that's probably going to be it for Chuck Martin. So this is the Chuck Martin Martin make it or break it game. I'll go Miami. God, their offense is so sick. Miami 23-19. Miami gets the outright win and it stays under. Skinny, what did you say the final of that game was last week? Western Michigan Miami. 38-16. I had it at 31-17. Okay. Our, in our okay. Not, not bad. Not, not bad. Um, I, I got bad news. And for it would have been 31-16 except they got a late. Gift touchdown on a on a fourth down and one run. Exactly right. Um, 
I got bad news for Chuck Martin if this is the game where he gets fired. He won't get fired. This is the but this is basically to tell you that the season's not going to get to a bowl, and I think they have to get to a bowl to save his job. Yeah, well, Northern Illinois is going to win 27-20. Wow. I've got Northern Illinois and the under. All right, so we both want the under. Miami's offense is sick. It ain't good. It's not good. Then you start playing A.J. Mayer, by the way. Well, that, I, I'd be down to watch that, Cuffcath boy. I would too. Um, I'm I'm big on the the chalk and the unders this week. I'll let you know that ahead okay. of time. Saturday at three thirty, we've got Tulsa at Cincinnati. The Bearcats are favored by seventeen in that game. The total is fifty and a half. Yeah, I, I thought last week's win tells me this team continues trending upward. I don't think Houston's great, but I thought it was just a rough spot for UC after the UCF win on the road. Houston, after you know they had the quarterback basically quit on them and the wide receiver. Uh, bounce back and beat a decent North Texas team and actually kind of won pretty handily. So I thought this was that was a tough spot. And UC, honestly, was in control of that game from the outset. Yeah, Houston kept getting within within the number, but for the most part, UC owned them in that game. Yeah, UC, is did, at least last week, that line, Vegas was giving them no respect. And I think it's because of the Ohio State game early in the year, maybe? No, I, I think it was just a tough spot. I mean, you're coming off that UCF win, going on the road in a league, that's... That's a that tough Houston spot. team is not good though, and you no. beat UCF the, the way you did. Yeah. You should be a, a, a multiple touchdown favorite over yeah. over Houston. I thought, in they my had the line, I thought they had the line right. I think it just shows me UC's playing really well. They are, and I think they come back and they just steamroll Tulsa. I'll go Bearcats forty five ten. So I go UC and the over. I agree with you that they are going to steam steamroll Tulsa. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than that. I like UC thirty five. Tulsa 14. I think a lot of UC's games have been hitting the under this year. I think it's like four out of six or something like that. Yeah, but like UC's that. offense now starting to get some stuff together. I it mean, is 20, rolling. 27 in the last game, 45, no, 52 at Marshall, 38 against Houston. Tulsa's not good. No, they're bad. And I think UC is still, you know, the 17 point spread is a little more respect, but I still don't think uh, Vegas is quite giving UC their due. So we go to Saturday night at 6 p.m., Kentucky at Georgia. The Bulldogs are favored, coming off a bad loss. Yes. They're favored by 25 in this game. The total is 48. I got to say, how about Lynn Bowden, the wide receiver for Kentucky, playing quarterback on and Saturday? Doing night. an admirable job. Actually, completed some passes and runs for 190 yards. I mean, that is just an, that's incredible to me. Uh, I had. It's Arguably the greatest single single game performance by a Kentucky player ever, in my opinion. Oh man, over Randall Cobb, a couple games. Randall yes, Cobb had? and Randall Cobb wow. had some very good games too. But man, oh man, but, that was impressive. Yeah. Well, the thing with Randall Cobb though was they had repped him at quarterback more than than Lynn, Lynn was a quarterback in high school. Right. But really, he, he was more of a he's a, he's been a, he's actually been a great wide receiver. Right. I don't know if you know, saw this. The AP and I didn't put this online, but the AP came out with their because it's I don't mid season all American teams don't do anything for me from a news standpoint. But it was interesting to me. They had him on the first team as their all purpose guy. I could see it. That's pretty awesome. Well, I mean, especially after this performance, you would think that would only help it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy returns punts. He returns kicks. He's their best wide receiver by far. They stick him at quarterback, and he leads him to a win. Look, Arkansas is not very good. But, no. But you're down to a wide receiver playing quarterback, and he leads you to a win. Yeah. That, that and was he led impressive. him from behind. They were down 13 nothing to let him from behind. I mean, I did have a buddy who's uh, actually a relative who's a big UK fan who texted me and said, I mean, they're letting him throw as much as they do touchdown Terry. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> he's right. I mean, that's about that's about the norm for it. Um so they get Sawyer Smith, it sounds like, back this week. I think that helps. I think one of two things happens here. I think George is either in woe-is-us mode or George is in pissed off that they lost to South Carolina mode. Now, the thing I will say is Georgia really hadn't been all that impressive all season. It felt like Saturday against South Carolina was coming. South Carolina defensively, now they dominated Kentucky, and you can argue that that's more Kentucky-related, but I thought South Carolina, the night I watched that game, I thought, man, they got some dudes on defense. And they more than held their own. The corner... 
um, who came up with the three interceptions, is just dynamic. I, I Look, I think a lot of that's on Georgia because they are the better team, but I also think that South Carolina stood toe-to-toe and, and honestly physically handled themselves in that game. Yeah, I didn't think but, they were overmatched. But that's unacceptable if you're Georgia. I agree. You, you just, I mean, watching that game, it makes me. It makes my heart want to come out here and say, screw Georgia, Kentucky's going to play right with them. They're not going to play right with Kentucky them. Take Kentucky and the points in this game, but I'm not going to do that because my head tells me I, Georgia I, actually is a pretty good team, I, even I, despite I'll, last I'll week. I'll let you pick first. All right, well, I'm going to go Georgia 34, Kentucky 13, which means I've got Georgia and the points and the under. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with what was us, Georgia. Um, but what what was us? Georgia still wins. I think their offense. They don't have a lot of playmakers. It feels like I thought they had some some dudes, and it doesn't seem like it. Well, they were you know, awful. Don't this past week. game game one at Vanderbilt, and they didn't play very good there either. And Vanderbilt sucks. Vanderbilt's terrible. They are god awful. I'll go. Um, I'll go Georgia twenty seven seventeen. Um, I think Kentucky comfortably covers the number, and I'm with you. I think it stays under the total as well. All right. Well, that takes us to Saturday at eight thirty. The Buckeyes are back in action. They are favored by 28 at Northwestern. The total in that game is 49. Northwestern won't score, so we got to start with that part of it. <laughs> so I'm going to start with Northwestern's not scoring. At all. And, and huh? I think we, when, anytime we stay with Ohio State, I, and I was wrong, I said I think anytime the number you have to start at 40. Now, they didn't get 40 against Michigan State. They only got 34. But I think the one thing that's not talked about enough about Ohio State is how damn good that defense is. It's absurd. I mean, we all look at the shiny bells and whistles of Justin Fields and Dobbins and the wide receivers and look at this offense rolling up 50 points. Defense kills people. It's crazy. And Northwestern's offense is sickly. It's brutally bad. Um, so I'm starting with the fact that Northwestern's not going to score. Ohio State's going to score whatever it wants. Uh, actually, this is a Friday night game, by the way. Friday, It is a Friday night game. So just FYI. Oh. A rare Friday night game. It's all good. Um, it's not going to change my opinion where they play. They, they could play on on Tuesday morning at six a.m. and it wouldn't change my opinion, Chief. That's that's good work on me, by the way. That's okay. It's all good because um, I, I hate the Big Ten Friday night games. I'm, I'm with you. If you want to ignore it and think it's Saturday, you can go go ahead and do that. Good enough. I, I like that. I'll go Ohio State forty-one nothing. <laughs> we're we're pretty close in the <laughs> so in the Buckeyes in the under. I'm going with OSU 49, so they're going to get the total by themselves, by themselves. and then Northwestern scores 10, so right. it will go over. I've got the Buckeyes got and the, the over. You got, you got the gift 10. Yeah, I've I've bet the Buckeyes I know, every week it. since it opened, right. which was the second week of college football. Correct. They did not cover opening week. That's correct. They've covered every week since then. And the book at Hollywood did not open until the next weekend. Right. It's the first weekend of NFL, second weekend of college, the week, week one of college, because we do week zero in college football. I'll tell you what, Vegas needs to start setting Ohio State lines at some absurd things because I don't know how you get action on the other side. I don't know how you got any action on the other side of Michigan State. I just don't. No, and it's still paid. I mean, look, most Ohio State fans are irrational, and they're going to take the Buckeyes no matter what the spread is. I'm with them. And that's, but, but, would, but for now, I would say I'm going to tap into that irrationality. I'm going to make the line so absurd that you're, gonna, you're still going to take the Buckeyes. I mean, they weren't, there wasn't even a sweat in the Michigan State game, right? Do you, I mean, do you think there's sharp money coming in against them or something I, at, at some of these spreads? Because I they're not moving them much. I, no, you're right. I, the one move, the move, well, no, Michigan State, I think the Michigan State opened like 14 and a half and it got up to 19 and a half really quickly, which also shows you that all this money's pouring in on Ohio State. Yeah. You better fluctuate your line. And look, here's what's going to happen. Ohio State's going to go up there. It's going to be windy, cold, ugly. We don't even know what the weather's going to be. And they're going to win 17, 13 in an ugly slugfest. But for me... At least on paper, it's it's Ohio State by whatever it wants to win by. I'm with you on that one. All right, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep rolling with Ohio State until they uh, steer me wrong here. Yes. All right, let's move on to the NFL games, and we'll start with the Thursday night game at 8:20. It's Kansas City at Denver. The Chiefs are favorite by three in the hook. 
The total is 49. Chiefs feel like a mess right now, don't they? Yeah, because I, I keep betting on them, and they keep failing. Yeah, that's a good point. I keep um, thinking, oh, this is the week. They'll get it back together. Mahomes they, is too good. Yeah, they didn't even I, – I know the, I told you the one week where, where people bet them down against Detroit. No, that wasn't the week because I think they covered the teaser that week. They, they haven't covered teasers in a while. I mean, they're to the point – where I almost want to put in a dark horse on an MVP future for someone other than Pat Mahomes right, because point. they're starting to play so poorly, he might not be in he's the He's still putting up good numbers, though. Oh, he's the unanimous MVP yeah. by a long shot still, but if they end up with, I mean, if they keep losing games, who knows? Because it's, it's not usually a, a team that, the MVP doesn't come from a team who right. sucks usually. No, right, right. I mean, this is this is so tough because Denver's actually playing better, at least defensively. They are, um, and with the way underdogs have been hitting, I know. But it feels like they're giving you the three and a hook, and they're trying to reel you on the dog. There, I, I, I always hate to, to to do that. I'll go Kansas City, twenty six twenty four. So I'm going to barely go over, and I'm going to go with uh, with Denver covering the number. Well, this should create some nice separation for us. I like the Chiefs twenty four, the Broncos twenty. So I'm going Chiefs and the under just okay. barely. All right, there you go. All right, and that takes us to Sunday at 1 o'clock. We've got Jacksonville at Cincinnati. The Jaguars are the three-point favorite. The total is 43.5. Jacksonville is trash, and they're still favored by three on the road. Right? Yeah, I think I think Vegas wants Cincinnati action here, to be honest. I, I do, too, and it's just impossible for me to do it right now. I did like the fact, I mean, I, I thought the – the human nature element of, of what it was allowed them to cover last week, and it was a big double-digit ones. The Bengals have at least been competitive in some games, so if they're getting double digits, I think it's worth taking them. But other than that, it's hard to take them right now. As either They're not going to be favored other yeah. than maybe one game the rest of the year. It's hard to take them if they're a single-digit dog, even at home. Anything under five, to me, you're an idiot if you're betting on the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville, while I, I, the, the, the Gardner-Minshew train is kind of slowed to a, to a little bit of a crawl here, they still can run the ball. Um, trading Jalen Ramsey might have been the best thing they did, to be honest with you, get him out of there. And that, that's addition by subtraction, and they can start moving. But he, I mean, he wasn't playing anyway, so what difference did it make? Yeah, that's the thing. Just Bengals the are going to be down going. two starting corners and technically three because Darquez Denard won't be back in all likelihood. So you're, you're down to literally second and third string corners, and that'll help Minshew a little bit. They don't stop the run, so that doesn't make any difference. I'll go, I'll go Saxonville 24 13 so jacksonville in the under yeah i think the thing we talked about earlier in this podcast with the Bengals not being able to get to the passer is going to be the story of this game yes. because when you can't put pressure on Minshew, he's shown the ability he's to do kill these some he's things. gonna kill these corners he will and, and I, I agree with you that he has slowed down the last few weeks but that's because there's been a lot of guys in his face um with their running game the combination of the running game and the Bengals not putting any pressure on him i i think the jaguars roll in this one i've got jaguars 24 Bengals 13 that's so that's the same the score exactly jags score. in the under oh that's what you had to yeah, exactly the same score. I wasn't even so paying attention so to your score, I guess. All right, uh, going to Sunday night at 8.20, we've got Philadelphia at Dallas. Cowboys coming off a bad loss as well. They're the three-point favorites in this game. 48.5 is the total. This is the disappointment bowl, because I, I, I thought these were two playoff teams. In fact, I thought Philly, I had Philly win in the Super Bowl. And I still think both teams are pretty good. Got to start proving it. Someone has to. Got to start proving Philly's defense has been. This trash. is a huge game for both teams. It is really, because it the is. team that loses this game it starts to become. Well, one it, of these teams is winning the division, right? Yeah, and, and but the one who doesn't win this game is now in a spot where you start to become worried. I'm more worried about Dallas than I am Philly. I mean, Philly. Me too. Philly went to Minnesota and, and it, was, it got behind early. They kind of made a run back in the Minnesota, and I think I think Minnesota overall is a pretty good team. I think they've sorted out some of their Kirk Cousins issues and they're starting to let him wing it around a little bit. Um, so I think. I, I, 
I, again, dogs have been great. Home, home small price favorites are just hard to take right now in the league. And Dallas with the question marks. I'm going to go Philly outright 27-24. So I'll take Philly in the over. We're right on top of each other. I've got Philly 28, Dallas 24, so okay. Eagles and the over. But I'm with you. I mean, it's again, it goes back to the underdog thing. It's been riding so hot. My, my inclination has been to go with Dallas, but I just think, I mean, if, they, if their running game is in trouble the way it's been the last few weeks, this Philly defense can still stop the run. Yeah. So if they can't find a and way... It, it forces Dak Prescott to beat you, and he... He's again. He's not elite. He's not going to beat you. That's what I'm saying. It, it, if they can't get Zeke going, which they didn't get him going this past week, and I thought they would, they haven't got him going the last two weeks. No, and the Eagles' defense is much better than what they've been facing against the run. So I, yeah, I think the the Cowboys are in trouble again, which will really set them back in the division. And that takes us to Monday Night Football at eight fifteen. We've got New England at the Jets. Nine and a half point favorites are the Patriots. Forty two and a half is the total. Look, Sam Darnold being back helps the Jets, right? It makes them it certainly more, did makes last them, week. makes them more competitive. But that Dallas, we just trashed them, so it doesn't give me a whole lot of stock. Man, New England is less than I know it's on the road, but is less than a double digit favorite. Um, the Giants got of their two touchdowns. They got a kind of a gift on the Golden Tate batted ball to them, which helped me in fantasy football, by the way, which well, was good. good. But I mean, that's a gift touchdown. Other than that, they really didn't do a whole lot offensively. You know, that's the thing that doesn't get talked about. New England's defense is so, so stinking so good. good. Which one one bet I really like with this New England team, and I took it last week, is the uh, first player to score a touchdown in the game. When you look at it, New England, it always gives you options, and it'll say any other player. Always take any, any, other. any other player with the Patriots is a nice one because of the defensive touchdown option oh, good with them. Call. And good that's call. what I got last that's week. Right. And that, good call. Yeah, that paid like 6-1. to one. Well, the other thing, too, is you never know how he's going to play as running back. So usually the ones they put on the board are the guy that just had a big game the week before, and then suddenly it's Rex Burkhead that exactly week. Exactly right. And then the next week it's James White, and then it's Bold. I mean, it's just different guys. Yeah, so um, you can get I'll, some random touchdowns out of that. I'll them. go New England 27-10. Patriots, Patriots in the under. I've got the Patriots 31, Jets 17. I think that the Jets last week, that was cute. That was great. But if they lose that game by seven last week, what do you think the spread is for this one? It's 14 double and digits. a half. It's double right? digits. I mean, yeah. 12 it's something ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I think that nine and a half is a big overcorrection by Vegas uh, trying to get public money in here uh, on the Jets. And, and the fact that New England didn't look great against the Giants, but it's funny. They still won by three touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, Skinny, so we will uh, go back to our picks next week and, and see how we do. Yep. Let's switch gears, though, and move on to a little bit of college basketball. And th- we're sticking local here for the time being. It's that time of the year. NCAA conferences have been hosting their basketball media days over the last few weeks. And with it comes the obligatory preseason polls and awards. Kentucky was picked to finish first in the SEC. Xavier was picked third in the preseason Big East poll. Cincinnati was third in the American preseason poll. NKU was second in the Horizon League. And Louisville was third in the ACC. Should be for make for a heck of a season based on those. So here's the question. Yes. Which of those teams is most likely to overachieve compared to their preseason ranking? And which one is most likely to underachieve? Ooh. The overachieve is hard because there's not there's not a lot of room not for, a lot of room for, for overachieving. So I've so I've got an interesting. I'll, I'll, answer. I'll let you go first. I've got my I've got my answer, so I'm not going to pony off of you. So I'll let you go first on this, though. I think the answer could be the same for both. I think it's Xavier. I do too, because 
I think this team is definitely good enough based on what everyone else has coming back. And Seton Hall was, Seton Hall was picked one. Who was picked two? Villanova. No, that's right. Yeah, okay. And Villan- Xavier specifically, I think, is going to give Villanova problems this year because Villanova really lacks athleticism compared to what they've had. They've still got the skill. They've got experience. Uh, and they've got, even got some young guys coming in that are really going to help them. Uh, one of them just got hurt, actually. So he's he's got a setback there. But they're going to be good but Xavier physically is so much more athletic than they are I think that's going to be a tough matchup for them and then Seton Hall they're good they've got the conference player of the year preseason player of the year and Miles Powell but we saw them last year I mean they they made that run in the conference tournament but they're still one that's been a combustible locker room over the last few years under Willard we've seen his teams come and go they've quit on him at times and two I just don't know that after Miles Powell there's a whole lot there that really scares you on that roster. I mean, it's it's a nice set of complementary pieces to what he does offensively, but they don't have other go-to guys. And he, on the he, offensive and he was picked preseason player of the year, right? Yes, he yeah, was. Yeah. Um, so I could see Xavier winning the Big East. At the same time, all of Xavier's issues that we we had with them last year still exist. You're still relying on Najee Marshall, Quentin Gooden, and Paul Scruggs to become. Go to options on offense while they can't shoot. Not, none of those guys are going to be shooters. You don't have a lot of shooting. Even though you brought in some young freshmen who are going to give you a spark and some three-point shooting off the bench, those are they can only play probably one at a time or two at a time, but those aren't at key. Like The key guys on the court that could, are going to win you games are still those main four guys who can't shoot. Could, tra- could Travis try to do some things to get more offense out of defense? I think he's going to try to do that, but again, it relies on your guys being better defensively than they were last year, locking in, being more focused, and they showed at the end of the year that maybe they can do that. I think that's why everyone is optimistic about this team and should be, but at the same time, I think those concerns are still there that maybe these guys won't learn how to share the ball and play all that well together. Maybe they can't lock in for an entire season and play tough defensively the way they did for that stretch when they were desperate at the end of last year, and maybe shooting still will be a big problem for this offense, and plus, the Big East is so even even throughout if you don't have a great year, you hit a rough stretch, or someone does get hurt, Xavier could pick finish seventh or eighth right. in this yeah, conference I, I, yeah, really yeah, easy yeah. because one through seven are are very evenly divided. Yeah, I'm going to go with Xavier as the, as the overachiever though too because I, I think theirs league is more winnable. The, the thing for UC, I, I could say that, but Memphis's roster is really good, and and so is Houston's. So are they? Can they beat them? Yes. Can they finish ahead of both? I don't know. And that's where there's not a small margin for them to overachieve. Right. I think, honestly, they were picked in the exact right spot. And I don't think there's a big chance for them to underachieve. I don't think they're going to fall below Wichita or USF or UConn or any of the teams below them. I think they're just about right. I can see them winning the league, but I can also third's about right. Third feels about right. Third and make the NCAA tournament and maybe win a game or two. They can have a lot of growing pains, and they're not going to underachieve with Jaron Cumberland on that roster in that conference. Yes, yes. They're just not. Yeah. Yeah, my underachieved team would be, I guess... Louisville just because of that league and the depth of the of that league, right? I mean, of course. And, and I don't even want to say underachieve. I mean, you finish sixth in that league, you still could be a Final Four team for goodness right. sakes. But if we're looking based on where they were picked, that's the most logical one for me. I don't. Th- I think Kentucky is the dominant team in the SEC this year. They were not last year. I mean, Tennessee was Tennessee's roster was ready to do what Tennessee's roster did, right? Yeah. But this year, it's I don't see an, a second place team that's really close no. going in. Agreed. Maybe that'll change. Yeah, but no, I don't either. So I, it's easy to say Kentucky because all they have to do is finish second, and technically they would have underachieved, not yeah. by a long shot. Yeah, I think Louisville to me. I, I think NKU in the Horizon. 
is about right and with a yeah, great no, chance they, to win it. They should be ranked first over Wright State. Yeah, I don't probably. think there's any doubt about that. The, these conference coaches love Wright they do State love them for whatever Wright reason. State. I know it. Um, and but, maybe for NKU, though, if you do look you at have the a coach, new coach, you have a new coach. And you, and you lost did, your and you did, yeah, and you did, yeah, that's the thing. You lost your guy. It makes sense. So I I'm, I wouldn't get all worked up that they're picked second, but I do think they have the best team coming back. Um, so I think, but I and there, I don't think there's any way they fall below second. To be honest, no, I agree. The rest with you. of the conference, I agree with you. Um, but to me, the the easy answer for underachiever is Xavier or Louisville because how even the conferences right. are behind them, right? And it doesn't take much, especially the ACC. You could be a really good team and go whatever. I, they they play twenty games or eighteen. I always get confused. Whatever. Yeah. You, you could you could be two games above five hundred in that league and go. Damn, that was a hell of a year right there. Well, I mean, look at Xavier last year. I think there was what. Two teams with winning records. I believe that's correct. And then every, Go then you had four all those nine and, nine and nine. Yeah, all those nine and nines. I mean, so the Big East, you, you know, it's just such a crapshoot, to be honest. Yep. All right, and let's wrap up with something we touched on last week, and it just continues to uh, blow up here. It's talking about the NBA China controversy. Is LeBron James poured some gasoline on the matter earlier this week when he said Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey was, quote, misinformed or not really educated when he sent a tweet last week in support of Hong Kong's anti-government movement. James was almost universally crushed online for his stance, leading to him issuing a clarification where he said, quote, let me clear up the confusion. I do not believe there was any consideration for the consequences and ramifications of the tweet. I'm not discussing the substance. Others can talk about that. My team in this league just went through a difficult week. I think people need to understand what a tweet or statement can do to others. And I believe nobody stopped and considered what would happen. Could have waited a week to send it. Obviously, he's referring to Daryl Morey's original tweet right. that was in support of Hong Kong while the NBA was playing some preseason games over there, or in China, rather. Um, what do you make of LeBron James' comments on the NBA's controversy with China? Well, LeBron James is saying China puts a lot of money in my pocket and our pockets as a league and I want to protect my pocket and, and I don't know if he wants to protect the league's pocket but he wants to protect his pocket so do you think there was a direct call between Adam Silver and LeBron James to say no. hey we need you to get this right no I, I don't I mean do you really think that I, I don't I could see it I, I mean I, I think he's that I think he is that important to the league and that much of an ambassador and I think he would do it I think it was stupid what he said um stupid in what way you can't, you can't, honestly, the fact that the NBA is deep into China is embarrassing to begin with, to be quite frank. I mean, it really and truly is. Um, and, and again, Daryl Morey, he's an American utilizing his freedom of speech. He can send that tweet whenever the hell he wants to send it, okay? And everybody needs to understand that part of it. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Doesn't mean LeBron has to agree with it, but he's allowed to send it. In this country where we have the freedom of speech, that was his freedom of speech. That's today's freedom of speech is on Twitter. So for him to condemn it, no, 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 no. Right. I mean, it, it, no. And of course, I, I thought it was great. And the thing is, because he's mad about the timing of it, because it pissed the people in China off. They, like I said, to hell with them. Yeah, and and that's what's great about this whole situation is that LeBron is saying, no, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm against you know uh, what Daryl Morey was tweeting in support of. Uh, you can you know help the Hong Kong people out, whatever. I don't care about that. I want nothing to do with getting into the fray there. I just don't want you to inconvenience me and my teammates and some other t colleagues yes. when we're taking trips over to China and it's still and about me potentially costing us money which is exactly right it's all about me I mean and this is the whole thing when we get so worked up and people lose their minds over what anyone says on social media or to reporters but especially basketball players or athletes about social issues or um, political issues and people just absolutely go berserk over it they don't care about you. They don't care about don't the care. issue. Correct. They are all trying to make money and profit off of these things. These D social things. Daryl Morey might have. When they make t-shirts or they print things on their, they write things on their shoes that are supporting these issues, 
I'm sure, yes, it's nice. They feel, they ideologically, they agree with these things that they're quote unquote supporting, but they're doing it to sell more shoes, to be cool, to be part of the culture. They are building their brand and trying to make money off of their culture. It has nothing to do with the actual issue at hand. Absolutely right. So people getting, and I'm not making this about the Hong Kong China thing as much as I'm just making of all these issues that we care so much about what these celebrities and athletes have to say about, they don't care. They care about them and their bottom line, and that's it. And that's all this is from LeBron James. So I'm not surprised by it. It doesn't even really bother me. Do I think he looks like kind of a jerk and an idiot and yes. self-centered? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The same way everyone does. The owners, the same way Daryl Morey does most of the time. Now, I'm fine with what Daryl Morey said. Like you said, he's got freedom of speech. He can do whatever the hell he wants. And I happen to agree with what he said. It's right. not really hard not to. I mean, right. it's really just asking for basic human rights for people in Hong Kong. It's not look, It's not you, a controversial you know, issue, really. You know what the NBA should have done with all this, to be quite honest with you? is, look, when China got upset with it, talk to them behind closed doors and be done with it. It, it, it didn't need to become a public spectacle. Well, and, and, every, and they made it into a public spectacle. And that's the only reason I wonder if LeBron James was put up to do this because he is the one with the big enough, the global icon that when he says something, it's going to, it's almost like a president getting in front of the country, saying something that's going to be recirculated throughout the media and sort of, you know, smoothing the waters over, so to speak. I wonder if there was a little bit of that going on from the NBA to LeBron saying, hey, we need these dollars just like you need these dollars, and you know it. Or maybe, hey, that's a fair, here's that's a, a little percentage I, I, of what I, we're getting I, off I, this. I get, your, I get your thing. I I also think the LeBron is outspoken enough on his own to, to oh, for sure. to, to do this on his own. Yeah, I mean, no question that he would wade into these. I mean, he always wades right. into these waters on his own. The interesting thing this time is usually he wants to be the outspoken one on the issues. This time he says, I don't want to have anything to do with the issue. I just want I my money. I just want my money from China. I just don't want you to inconvenience us, Daryl <laughs> no, Morey. Right. It's, right. I mean, it's exactly what everyone asks athletes to do all the time, right? It's just like, shut up and stick to sports. Yep. So he's like, hey, Daryl Morey, stick, stick to sports. You know, I mean, yeah. like, you don't need to be tweeting this while we're over there playing games. It's kind of funny. I mean, it is kind of funny how this all works. And again, I don't go too strongly either way with any of them. I I happen to agree with Daryl Morey on this one, but I'm not getting all worked up about what LeBron James has to say about it or him not caping up for Hong Kong because I don't care when he capes up for anyone else either. Exactly. Speaking of the NBA, it starts next week. We can probably touch on it a little bit on next week's podcast. That'd be nice. But really quickly, you you got an NBA champion pick. See, that's the cool thing this year, is you don't, do you? I don't. That's the cool thing about this. I, I mean, I, I want to say it. I want to say Lakers. You want to say it, but you're going to be wrong I'm if you do say I'm not going to say Lakers, but I tell you what, it's fun, It's going to be fun to watch as long as Anthony Davis gets healthy again. Well, the, the thing is that it feels like the playing field has been evened out a little bit more this year. and that, It that, certainly that, does. Yeah, I mean, it took you a long time to even try to whisper Lakers, and in the last couple of years, you would have just blurted out Golden State even if you knew you'd be wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, so we, it, it, it makes it better. I mean, about six or seven teams start to cycle through your mind when you say who's going to win. Absolutely right. And that's right. crazy. We haven't had that in a long time. Exactly right. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Sounds good to All me. All right, good deal. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's the Skinny Podcast, the Popery Edition. Presented by Joseph Chevrolet.